Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of Dinka's Neighborhood, an in-depth exploration of a neurological condition that affects many individuals in unique ways. In this episode, we'll delve into the fundamental aspects of autism, seeking to enhance your understanding of its characteristics, challenges, and strengths, and there are so many strengths associated with neurodiversity and autism. Throughout this episode, we'll explore the core features of autism, aiming to shed light on its various dimensions. We're going to delve into the key areas affected by ASD, including social communication, sensory processing, and repetitive behaviors. By gaining insights into these aspects, you'll develop a deeper comprehension of the experiences of individuals on the autism spectrum. Also, We'll examine the diagnostic criteria for autism and the importance of early identification and intervention. Understanding the criteria and the available support systems can contribute to creating an inclusive environment that fosters the well-being and development of individuals with ASD. We'll explore the challenges and opportunities that arise for individuals with autism, so by Recognizing the strengths and unique abilities associated with ASD, we can promote a more inclusive society that values neurodiversity and provides opportunities for individuals on the spectrum to thrive. By the end of this episode, you'll not only have a comprehensive understanding of autism, but you'll also gain valuable insights into fostering inclusion and support for individuals on the spectrum. So let's embark on this enlightening journey together to deepen your understanding of autism and promote empathy, acceptance, and most important, empowerment for this neurodiverse population. Together, we can build a more inclusive and compassionate world. Welcome to Dinka's Neighborhood. We know that autism is a developmental condition that typically appears in early childhood and persists throughout a person's lifetime. It is a spectrum condition, which means it encompasses a wide range of symptoms, abilities, and challenges that can vary greatly from person to person. ASD impacts the way individuals communicate, interact socially, process information, and perceive the world around them. In a later episode, we're going to talk about how autism is diagnosed and treated, but for today, let's focus on what it is and how it manifests in children. Autism spectrum conditions can manifest in a variety of ways and has many signs and symptoms that typically appear during early childhood with most children being diagnosed somewhere around ages two to four. So it's important to note that individuals with autism may exhibit all of these signs that we're going to discuss to varying degrees or none of these signs. It's also important to note that some children exhibit markers of autism earlier than age two. So here are some common signs and symptoms associated with ASD. And we're going to start out with social communication challenges because this tends to be the first signs we see when we suspect a child has autism.
So that means difficulty with social interactions and communication. These are hallmark signs or markers of autism. And this would look like impaired verbal and nonverbal communication skills, such as delayed speech development, limited or repetitive language, or difficulties with gestures and facial expressions. So being able to read the facial expressions of other individuals. These challenges can be in initiating and maintaining conversations, also understanding social cues, and they may have difficulties engaging in reciprocal interactions and conversations. We also see difficulty in understanding and appropriately responding to emotions, intentions, and also social norms. Individuals with autism may exhibit atypical speech patterns, such as echolalia. This is a big one. This is a marker of autism. So basically repeating words or phrases over and over again, or basically repeating the last few words they heard someone else say in a conversation. And they may have challenges with figurative language, sarcasm, or even understanding jokes. It doesn't mean they don't tell jokes or like to joke around. It just means that they may not get the joke, okay? They may struggle with understanding and using verbal and nonverbal cues, such as tone of voice, which is why many children with autism like to be spoken to in a soft, melodious tone. There may be difficulty understanding gestures and facial expressions. We just spoke about that. And then also body language in time and space. So these challenges can make it harder to initiate and maintain conversations and also interpret the emotions and intentions and actions of other people in the environment. There is also issues surrounding social interaction. So establishing and maintaining social relationships. This can be more challenging for individuals with autism. Also, difficulties in social interaction may result in reduced opportunities for developing friendships for those guys. So, for example, participating in group activities and really feeling a sense of belonging. So, social situations that involve like these very complex social dynamics and these unspoken rules that everyone else kind of understands or even changes in routines, this can all be particularly challenging and may lead to feelings of anxiety or social isolation for the individual. I want to spend a few moments talking a little bit about theory of mind. So theory of mind refers to the ability to understand that others have thoughts, beliefs, perspectives, and also emotions that are different from your own emotions and thoughts. So these guys may struggle with theory of mind a bit, and this can also impact their ability to empathize with others. That is not to say that children with autism don't empathize with others because they really do. They really are the sweetest, kindest, and most gentle group um, that I've had the pleasure of working with. All of the students that I've worked with, I would say 98% of them were empaths and they feel things very deeply to their core. And I've 
only had a few students who were really rigid and kind of locked inside of their own world. But even those guys from time to time would allow me to enter their world or they would enter mine to kind of see, hey, what's this all about? And then when they had enough, they would retreat back into their autism. But they do have the ability to empathize with people and animals, but they may struggle. They may also struggle with predicting the behaviors of other people and really understanding what that person wants to do to them in that moment. So this can sometimes lead to misinterpretations or challenges in forming a deeper connection with other people. That is not to say that they don't because they do, but we also know that there could be some difficulties and struggles there as well. So something else that is also unique to these guys would be restrictive and repetitive behaviors. So they may exhibit repetitive patterns of behavior or focus on a specific interest. So we're talking about very intense interests. And that would look like engaging in repetitive movements or actions such as hand flapping, that's a big one. We have these guys that just love to do hand flapping, which is fine. It's okay. And another repetitive behavior would be rocking back and forth or repetitive vocalization. So, I mean, obviously we want to make sure our students and children are socialized in the world. And so we want to look out for these repetitive behaviors and minimize them to a degree. They should still be allowed to engage in them, but we want to minimize them, especially if a child is hurting themselves, okay? So also there's a strong preference for routine and a resistance to change, right? So if they have a disruption to their daily schedule or some unexpected change, this can cause distress within the individual or child, okay? So they may like to wake up every morning and have the same breakfast, eat out of the same bowl, or have very specific ways that they want their parents or teachers to do something for them. So we just want to be mindful of that and make sure they're comfortable as much as we can possibly make them. Sometimes they are highly focused or fixated on interests or specific topics um, and objects or an activity. And so we know about those individuals, those students who are fixated on trains or space or robots or fixated on collecting like items, which is also another marker of autism. So that may look like collecting purple rocks to the exclusion of any other color or something along those lines, right? So they have this intense level of detail or depth of a particular topic or item. And we just want to be careful there as well because we don't want to restrict them, but we do want to be mindful of it and make sure that we introduce other interests and other topics to them. There could also be, and more often than not, there is issues with sensory sensitivities or integration. So many of these guys with autism have heightened or diminished sensitivity to sensory stimuli. And that could be hypersensitivity to sensory input. So this may lead to an aversion of some type of 
discomfort with certain sounds and certain lights. So for example, the way they flicker on or off, or if the lights are fluorescent. There could also be issues with textures, colors, tastes, or smells, different things like this. But then on the flip side, there can also be hyposensitivity, okay? So these individuals may seek out intense sensory input, such as spinning, that's a big one, touching certain textures, or also seeking deep pressure. We want to be mindful of this and make sure that they get what they need in order to ensure that they're comfortable throughout the day, okay? In other words, they are sometimes overwhelmed from sensory input or underwhelmed with sensory input or lack thereof. So again, noise, bright lights, and all of this can make it more difficult to engage in social settings or participate in group activities or navigate crowded environments. So sensory sensitivities may lead to avoidance of certain social situations or behaviors, and this will affect social engagement and integration, okay? I want to say this right now because this is really important and key. It's important that you understand that each child is different. So just because you maybe read some research or watched a documentary on autism and you think all children with autism are the same and all children are overwhelmed by their environment, well, that's simply not true. Some children are underwhelmed by their environment. So for example, living in an all white house or space where there is no color, that would be problematic for a child that needs constant sensory input. Living in a house full of color might be overwhelming for a child that doesn't want that sensory input. So you just have to be mindful and really observe and monitor your child to kind of see what they need in the environment. Individuals with autism, they may face, they may face difficulties with flexible thinking, like problem solving and also executive functions. So this would include struggles with planning, okay, organizing, and then also completing tasks and difficulty adapting to changes in routines or transitioning between activities. And this may look like impulse control, impaired impulse control, and also lack of emotional regulation. So you just want to be careful when you're teaching students with autism, or even if you're at home, you know, mom or dad, when you're at home with these guys, you want to make sure that you give them time to wind down or wrap up one routine or one activity before you move on to the next one. So we want to make sure they have a smooth transition from activity A to activity B. And that might look like telling your child or giving them a visual cue, okay? So you might say, hey, we're going to spend about five more minutes on this task and then we're going to wind it down slowly. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to have a break in between. Would you like that? Okay, so these are some of the transition strategies that can be used for these guys. It can be verbal or it could be visual. Better would be to use both verbal and visual strategies. 
a lot of these guys have iPhones today or some kind of tech device. So you can definitely just set the timer on their tech device, all right? And then you give them an opportunity to wind one task down before moving on to the next one, okay? So it's important to remember that these signs and symptoms, they can vary significantly between these guys. And not all individuals with autism will exhibit all of them, okay? So that's going to be key. So what we want to see is a professional evaluation by a healthcare provider or specialist experienced in working with children with autism. So this is going to be essential for a comprehensive assessment. And I want to add this little piece here. The only person that can give a diagnosis of autism is a psychologist. So your pediatrician can't do it. Of course, they will have screening protocols in place, but again, they can't give you that diagnosis. They can only refer you out to a psychologist. Um, also, a teacher can't do it. A school nurse can't do it, okay? So the only person that can do it is a psychologist. And in the next episode, I'll talk to you about and walk you through the screening process to get your child assessed if you suspect they may have autism. So when we come back from this short break, we'll have a little discussion about what causes autism. So we'll see you back right after the break. The exact causes of autism are still not fully understood. However, research suggests that a combination of genetic and environmental factors play a role in its development. Here are some common factors that have been associated with autism. Genetics is considered to be a significant contributor to the development of autism, and there are certain gene mutations or variations which can increase the risk of autism. However, there is no single gene that has been identified as the sole cause of autism, and it's believed that multiple genes, as well as interactions between them, may contribute to the development of this condition. The second cause or factor is the environment. So there are some environmental factors that may play a role in the development of autism, but their impact is still being studied. Examples of potential environmental factors include prenatal exposure to certain medications, toxins, or infections during pregnancy. However, it's important to note that these factors are not definitive causes and they don't account for all cases of autism. So let's look at the third factor. The third factor is advanced parental age. So research has shown a correlation between advanced parental age, so we're talking about both maternal and paternal, as an increased risk of autism. It's important to note that most children born to older parents do not develop autism, and that the majority of children with autism are born to younger parents. So that's an important point that needs to be made. There are also other medical conditions that may contribute to autism. So certain genetic conditions are known to be associated with an increased risk of autism. Also, some prenatal and perinatal conditions, including low birth weight, 
prematurity, and then also certain prenatal infections have been linked to a higher likelihood of autism. It's important to emphasize that autism is a complex condition and it has a wide range of factors that may contribute to its development. The interplay between genetic and environmental influences is still being researched. And it's important to approach this topic with ongoing scientific inquiry and understanding that each individual's experience with autism is going to be unique to them. Since we as educators approach autism from a teaching and learning lens, we don't go any deeper into the medical research. There are plenty of universities that study the medical side of autism, but I want you to remember this. There is nothing that can be done medically to address your child's day-to-day -day needs. That can only be addressed through teaching and learning. And that's what DINKA is all about, providing you with information and research-based strategies that you can employ to support your child and ensure that the skills you teach at home or if you're an educator, the skills you teach at school can transfer from environment to environment. That is not to say that within the medical profession, they also don't provide you with strategies that work and strategies based in research. The difference between the two is that typically within medical research, your child will attend some type of workshop or session a few times a week for a finite amount of time. So let's say maybe a six to eight week workshop, or it could be a workshop that lasts for an academic semester or a year, and they attend these workshop sessions for an hour or two. Okay. School setting is different because your child is there typically from 730, eight o'clock in the morning until three o'clock in the afternoon. And so an educator has more hours to employ those research-based strategies, but also to do a lot of observation and data collection, which is necessary in order to figure out what works best for your child. In a medical setting, that's a controlled environment. A school setting, you have some control, and then you have opportunities for children to be at play or be at rest. And we really want to focus on and observe them during those times as well. So we're back together after our break, and I've talked about the signs and symptoms of autism and also some of the causes. Next, let's look at its impact. We know that autism can impact various areas of an individual's life, both positively and negatively. While the degree and specific manifestations of these effects can vary widely from person to person, here are some common areas that may be influenced by autism. First, there may be issues with cognitive and learning abilities. So autism can influence cognitive functioning, leading to differences in information processing. So examples of that would be attention and learning styles, which is why differentiated instruction is key in teaching and learning. And we talk about this all the time at DINKA. While some individuals with autism may demonstrate exceptional abilities in specific areas. So we're talking about mathematics, memory, or visual thinking, which is a biggie for those guys. Others 
may face challenges with executive function. So again, planning, organizing, and problem solving, or even processing information within certain domains. There are also emotional regulation difficulties. So for example, managing and expressing emotions can be more difficult for individuals with autism. They may struggle with understanding and interpreting their own emotions, as well as recognizing and responding appropriately to the emotions of others. And these differences or difficulties with emotional regulation can lead to higher levels of anxiety, stress, or frustration, as I previously talked about. So it's important that we model for those guys appropriate responses at all times when we as adults become frustrated or when we have anxiety or have to deal with stress. One item I want to note is that while autism can present challenges in these areas, individuals on the spectrum also possess unique strengths. They have talents and perspectives that are unique to them. So by understanding and embracing neurodiversity, we can then create inclusive environments that recognize and support the diverse abilities and experiences of individuals with autism. Lastly, I'm going to briefly touch on the social impact of autism. So autism spectrum conditions can have significant social impacts or implications for the individuals and their interactions with others. Here, I'll talk about the number one social challenge commonly associated with autism. And at the top of the list is bullying and stigma. Unfortunately, individuals with autism may face higher rates of bullying, teasing, and social exclusion in a school environment or social situation. And this alters their personalities or ways in which they want to show up and present themselves to the world. If they have to constantly change who they are to fit in, then they are not being given the opportunity and space to be their authentic selves So primary SPED programs, specifically AUT and SLD programs, allow them the opportunity to gain that confidence so that when they are in those social situations, they can show up confident, be fearless, and also be true to themselves. They don't have to change for us or fit in to what we think society should be or look like. We need to alter ourselves to fit into their world. Mind you, as a society, we have not had to change anything significantly about our world for them. And it's about time we started doing that. There is a lack of understanding and awareness about autism, and this contributes to the perpetuation of stereotypes and stigmatization. This further isolates individuals with autism from social opportunities and acceptance. As we close, I want to leave you with this. It's so important to foster inclusive and accepting environments that promote understanding, empathy, and support for these guys with autism. Because by promoting acceptance, providing education about autism and neurodiversity, and also creating those inclusive 
spaces and social opportunities, we can then enhance the social experiences for all these guys and help build a more inclusive community, which is what we all want. I want to thank you for listening to Dinka's Neighborhood. Do subscribe and visit us online at dinkafoundation.org and also watch our informative and engaging programming on YouTube at Watch Dinka TV. I'm your host, John Sandy Campbell. This podcast is brought to you by Dinka Foundation, reminding children to show courage and be brave.